Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host CC Wong, and you're listening to my interview podcast, where I chat with people from all walks of life to hear their stories and to share insights we can all learn from. On today's episode, I have here a very fancy guest who makes beautiful clothes for a living. His dresses have been worn by Lady Gaga, Alicia Cuthbert, and Annie Murphy, and are recognized for their clean lines, elegant tones mixed in with the latest trends. Matthew Gallagher is the talented Canadian fashion designer behind the House of Gallagher. Growing up in Amherst, Nova Scotia, a town of just 10,000 people, Matthew's love of fashion took him to New York City, where he studied at the famous Parsons School of Design when he was just a high school student. He later moved to Milan, Italy. Fell in love with the place and continued to hone his skills as a fashion designer at a Milanese design school. Matthew stayed and worked in Europe for a few years before moving back to Canada to establish his own fashion house in 2013. His unlikely career in fashion is a result of his tenacity and deep appreciation for well-designed garments. Matthew's story holds inspiration for many aspiring designers. I thank him for our candid conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. So you came a long way from your early days in Nova Scotia. What got you started in this whole fashion world as a child?、Um, I really think that I've always been interested in fashion, probably from movies that I watched as a kid. My mom really liked the movie Rear Window, an Alfred Hitchcock movie,、um, and I think that one in particular stands out in my mind with Grace Kelly. The kind of you know fifties glamour of everything, and I think that kind of like ignited something in me.、Uh, but my parents love to tell a story about、um, when I was in my dad's store because、uh, he owned convenience stores when I was a kid, and a lady came in and I pointed out like I was maybe three years old, and I pointed out that her shoes matched her dress. And so my mom and dad like to tell that as kind of like the beginning, <laughs> the origin story of where everything started. <laughs> But yeah, I've always been interested since、uh, I was a kid. I, I mean, there, I wanted to kind of dabble in other career paths, you know, from time to time as a child. But、um, I've always, you know, I had a lot of Barbies growing up, <laughs> a lot of clothing,、um, all of that stuff. I think impacted even my design aesthetic and sort of overall approach to design. Because、um, when you think of like Barbie or something like that, playing with it as a child, it's this glamorous woman, you know, that you're.、Um, You're playing with the clothes and the different personalities and things like that, and and I think the、um, the movies that I watched definitely helped with that as well because you know 1950s glamour, everyone's very put together.、Um, the kind of old Hollywood thing really ignited something in me. Having a dream to become a fashion designer in Amherst, Nova Scotia, that <laughs> must be very far away at that time because Amherst is actually a very small place. Did you know any fashion designers growing up?、Um, no, I didn't know any fashion designers growing up. However, I was always very、uh, confident that I was going to do this. I remember doodling like in junior high, like、uh, you know, different logos and things like that on my like binder, saying like, you know, one day I'm going to have this、um, this fashion brand. But it wasn't. When I think back, I can't think that it was like it felt out of reach. I just didn't know anybody. But I took it upon myself to kind of reach out to people in the industry and to. To get involved with a school in New York,、um, I went to Parsons when I was sixteen. So, just little things that I thought would help me get in the door and、uh, make that dream a reality. But it was really after that those experiences,、um, and when I went and lived in New York for that summer, that I、uh, 
fully understood that, okay, this is a real career. This, this is a real path. Like, this is what I have to do. This, like, there's more people that like this stuff, right? Because growing up, I, I was pretty much the only one who, you know, had any desire of like becoming a fashion designer or whatever at my school that I knew of anyway. Um, so that one thing was like, okay, that's my thing. That's like, <laughs> no one else is, you know, everyone else is thinking about the schools they're going to go to all together and whatever. But I knew that I couldn't stay there if I wanted to do what I wanted yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. And how did your parents um, take it? The fact that you want to become a fashion designer? They're always really supportive. I mean, before a fashion designer, I wanted to be a movie star. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that one um, maybe felt a little more tangible. Um, also, I was like extremely shy as a child. So that was just like, that was a short-lived uh, dream when I realized I could not actually talk in front of anyone. Um, so yeah, uh, they were, they've always been very supportive. I think they're like my number one fans and number one supporters with everything. They maybe don't necessarily understand like the ins and outs of the industry at all. Um, you know, different crossroads that I come to, but they want to learn and they're curious and they are happy. Uh, my dad tells everyone about me, even if they didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's very happy. That's great. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I'm actually the youngest of seven. Seven kids. Yeah, yes, that's usually the reaction <laughs> that I get. Um, my parents had both previously been married, so I, uh, I have my mom had a, a son and a daughter, um, and my dad had three sons and a daughter. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm the baby and the one between them. So I, I did grow up with, but they're all older than me. So like they were a couple around more than the others um, while I was growing up. But yeah, it's a it's a big family. <laughs> If you were to describe your fashion style in three words, what would you use? Think timeless, modern, and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. <laughs> and that's why I was drawn to it, too, because I kind of like that style, too. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about your opportunity to study at the Parson uh, Design School in New York City. Was that mm -hmm. your first time in New York City? I was 16. I'm trying to think if I went before, but I don't, I, I don't think so. I'm just like driven through because when I was a kid, we used to, you know, do the drive from Nova Scotia to Florida to go to Disney World and, and all of that. Um, but no, we never actually spent any time there. Um, and yeah, it was really random. I remember coming across um, the program. Uh, I want to say online, but I'm like, how active was the internet then? Because like, how else would I, I figured it out? I don't really recall. But I found out about this program and I was like, oh, there's like actually a scholarship they offer. Like you can send a portfolio and like, you know, get uh, the tuition for free or whatever for this uh, summer program for for high school students. And so I remember coming into my parents' room. I think it was like one o'clock in the morning or something. We're all kind of like night people. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I found this program. Like if I get it, then like we just have to worry about accommodation. Like everything else will be like, you know, fine, blah, blah, blah. And so my parents were like, okay, well, you know, it doesn't hurt and give it a try. Um, and so I did the portfolio process and everything and um, then submitted it. And that kind of started to get the wheels turning as far as like, well, okay, if I'm going to be there for one month, maybe I could do this internship thing that I've heard people talk about, like on fashion television, you know, these people who do internships with the designers and stuff. And so I was like, but how am I ever going to, you know, meet anybody? I don't have like family connections or, you know, whatever to, to get in the industry. Um, 
And so I literally just said, well, you know what? I'm just going to write letters and send them to their head offices of places and just see if anybody bites, basically. Um, and so I, th there was a guy called Cal Ruttenstein. Uh, and at the time, he was like big on the scene. And, you know, he's since passed. But um, I always saw him like in Jeannie Becker interviews and, you know, things like that growing up. And I was like, well, he seems really important. You know, like he he's always at every fashion show front row and he seems to be like a kind of tastemaker, a mover and shaker, whatever. So, uh, let's reach out to him because he works at Bloomingdale's and I know that Bloomingdale's would have an address somewhere. So <laughs> let's, let's send that in. Uh, and so I wrote a letter and I sent it to Bloomingdale's, uh, well, I sent it to Cal Ruttenstein care of Bloomingdale's and found the address and whatever and sent it to New York. Um, and another person I wrote to was Tom Ford, um, because I had just, received uh like an edition of vogue that had it was all about his ranch in santa fe new mexico mm -hmm. and at the time i remember 411.ca or .com or whatever was a thing uh and so i i went on there and i looked up any like t ford or tom ford in santa fe <laughs> doing wow. my internet sleuthing and um i sent letters to these different addresses just being like well one of them's probably him like so naive right like who knows wow. and uh like he would actually have a listed address it turned out it ended up his father's house and his father um called his office in london i guess was where he was based at the time uh and then uh tom ford's office contacted me um and this is around the same time that um the guy from bloomingdale's also contacted me um, I remember I came home from school one day and there was like a, a voice message. Hi, this is Cal Ruttenstein calling from Bloomingdale's in New York. You know, I'm going crazy. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this actually worked. Um, and so, yeah, I called him back and we set up an appointment and he was like, would you be able to come to New York next week um, for an interview? And so I looked at my parents like, can we? Like, is this possible? And like, God love them. They packed up the car the next week and we drove to New York. Um, and I remember being so nervous because I hadn't even had like a job interview, like at an ice cream parlor, let alone like meeting with this like industry tycoon guy. But I think maybe because I was from such a small town, I didn't quite understand the gravity of like who this person was or what this thing was so it didn't um and maybe it wasn't as scary as it maybe it should have been which was kind of cool I guess because I was just like maybe more chill and so I went in I went to his office I had my parents waited outside and I had uh the interview and he was like okay well he looked through my sketches uh, which when I look back now I'm like horrified because they were so awful and um the ideas maybe were there but like the the quality of the illustration was just well um and so he was like yeah we'd like to offer you the internship and I left you know very cool and then freaked out later uh I was telling my parents like oh my god I got this and then I think around that timeline I also found out that I was um that I had received the scholarship for the, the program portion of uh Parsons and then we just had to pay for the like we all lived on a resident in a residence hall mm -hmm. um for the summer or well, not for the summer for one month um, and so my goal was to have the internship in August and the school was going to be in July. Right. Um, and then I'd have this whole summer, uh, to kind of have this experience. Um, and so I came back to Nova Scotia and with Tom Ford and whatever, that wasn't going to be an internship because they're, you know, they were in London, the policies and stuff for, for people to come in, um, and have an interview. And, uh, you had to be a college student, you had to be getting college credits, you know, all of this stuff. 
Um, but he was really great. And he, um, he actually reviewed my sketches for me, like via email. Um, we had corresponded back and forth for about a year. Um, and then when I was applying for university, actually, he, um, he, I, I just asked him, which is kind of ballsy. I was just like, would you mind writing me a letter of recommendation <laughs> for oh university? Gosh. And he agreed. And I felt like that was like a golden ticket because I mean, who has a letter from Tom Ford? Yeah. Like on literally Gucci stationery, <laughs> you know, uh, saying that, that like, I so recommend unbelievable. this. Which, I, like yeah. when you look at Tom Ford, you wouldn't imagine he'd be somebody who'd be willing to like correspond with like a 16 year old at all yeah yeah in the but middle he's of like nowhere a personal guy yeah well I'm, I'm hoping that his father maybe guilted him into it like <laughs> this kid you remember when you were a kid and you were trying you know that kind of thing so maybe it was lucky it went to his father's house because he felt that kind of like all right i'll do it you know we're all still yeah. kids in the end <laughs> oh man that's crazy yeah so, yeah it was wild do you still keep in touch with him today no, I've actually never met him in person, which I find like wild because I'm, I think about that sometimes when I, like, I remember once in, uh, in Toronto, he was coming for like, maybe it was like a fragrance launch or a store opening or something like that. I don't know. And, uh, I thought, oh my God, like I should like try to go or something. Cause like, it's such a weird, you know, like I talked to him when I was 16, like he must remember it. I don't think that probably happened a lot. Um, so I am curious for my first run in with Tom Ford <laughs> to be like, Hey, remember me? I wrote a letter to your father from a Vogue article. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So when you got to New York City for the actual college program, um, how did you like it? And what did you end up learning? It was amazing, uh, both for on a personal level and on a uh, like professional level, because I had never been around people who also wanted to do what I wanted to do. Uh, it was a little like reality check ish, because there were people who, you know, like, one of the girls that I was hanging out with the most, she was actually from Beverly Hills, which was like mind blowing to me because like her zip code on her, on her license or whatever was 90210. And I was like, Oh, that's not a real thing. Like nobody has that. So these people were coming from places that had a lot more access, you know? Um, and so they were taking, you know, uh, high school programs of fashion design and things like that, which were just weren't available to me. So, um, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. So this is the competition in a way. Like, um, that, you know, people are coming into this with a lot more experience than me. But what's really cool is that we have things to talk about. Not that I didn't with my friends from home, but it was just like a different experience to be around people that were similarly minded um, as far as uh, career path and industry and things like that. So that was really interesting um, for me and uh, definitely solidified, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, the program was actually for drawing and painting, but I saw it as a way in because I want to apply there afterwards. So, you know, let me do it and see. But yeah, it was good. And then on a personal level, it was also uh, good, too, because I was a around a lot of other like gay kids and me being from a town of like 10,000 people. Like I came out when I was like 14, but I didn't really know any other gay people. So it was kind of cool to see like, wow, these people are all like existing <laughs> in other places <laughs> and if just feeling like, you know, it's the first time you like flirt with somebody or whatever, because you don't have those experiences, you know, growing up in a small town where you don't have the normal dating experience that, you know, uh, a straight person would have. So it was kind of like this fun little like uh, um, preview into that world, you know, so it was it was good on both levels. It was just really it really shaped a lot uh, for me. And what about the fashion you saw on the streets of New York? that was also crazy. I mean, not even just the fashion, it was just like the, um, 
it was like such a melting pot of a city, right? Like, you know, small town Canada is like pretty bland. So like seeing so many different walks of life and so many different like people expressing themselves and um, just everything. It was like sensory overload, but like in the best way. And like at that moment, I was like, I'm in love with New York. I want to be here. This is where I want to be you know, cut to, I then fell in love with Europe. <laughs> but <laughs> but at that time, New York was, you know, creme de la creme. So I was yeah. like, uh, you know, very excited. Did that experience give you a lot of ideas in terms of um, uh, the direction you want to take for your own clothes designs? I think it was more, I felt validation that what I was coming up with was good. I don't know that it shaped anything um as far as like my aesthetic or anything that happened later for me in Europe and, mm. and having that experience. But I think like my other like classmates and stuff, they would like look at my sketches and whatever. And they'd be like, Oh, this is really, really good. And like, of course I would see other people who were like phenomenal at illustration, mm. you know, then when we were 16 and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so jealous. Like, how is this possible? But like in the most innocent way, being like, I just want to, you know, get like that. I remember having like lessons from one of the guys who like could draw really, really well. And he was kind of like showing me like some tips and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was more just like, okay, so I have something here. It's not just like my parents telling me it's good or like, you know, <laughs> whatever, it, you know, there's something, uh, there's something here. So I should stick with it. Yeah. Were you at all intimidated by your competition? Strangely, no, I, I, I just feel like. I think I'm kind of an aloof person in general. Um, I'm like not really bothered by that much. So it was probably a more serious thing for me to be there than it was for a lot of them, I think. Like it was more like, this is a fun summer thing. And for me, it was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like they were having a bit more fun with it. I was obviously having fun too, but I wasn't looking at it like, oh, this is like, it's me or them um, kind of thing. And I just wanted to kind of absorb whatever I could from everybody. Maybe I would have felt it if I had been in the fashion program <laughs> instead of the drawing program. But, um, but yeah, I, I, at that point, I was just like excited to like just see everything and exist. But before that, when you were in Nova Scotia, did you have any courses that you took in high school um, or even middle school that helped you develop your skills as an artist? Yeah, so we, uh, in Nova Scotia, we had to take and from junior high, well, we always had art class in elementary mm -hmm. school. And it was just a class that I, or like a section of the day, let's say it's not really a class that I enjoyed the most. And I would do some like kind of summer, you know, day camp things uh, that my mom would enroll me in um, with some crafts and things like that, but nothing like, you know, professional, uh, you know, other than like gluing macaroni <laughs> to something. It wasn't like, it was just kind of like express yourself, be creative. Um, but in junior high and high school, you had to choose like these arts programs. So um, they were either uh, uh, art, like fine art, um, music, or I think like, I want to say woodworking, but, and then in high school it was dance, which <laughs> if anyone's ever seen that, <laughs> that's not <laughs> where I want to go. But um, so I always did art from seventh grade um, until my 12th grade uh, of high school. Every year I did the art program. Um, and I got along really well with the art teacher um, I think she understood that I like appreciated maybe a different in a different way than some of the other students, like that I saw this as a career and not just like an easy mm -hmm. credit. Um, yeah. and so I would push myself and, but it was like mixed stuff. It wasn't necessarily like life drawing, um, or anything like that. We did do life drawing in New York, which was a shocker for me because they were nude models and, yes. <laughs> and being 16 and, you know, never really doing anything like that before. I was just like, oh my God, this is legal. 
<laughs> like so shocked. <laughs> yeah, wow. So that summer you learned a little bit more about um, illustration art, but um, you also had an internship. How did that internship yes. go? Uh, it, well, the internship took a turn um, because the original internship that I had with Cal at Bloomingdale's, they had called me like right before I was leaving for New York. And they said, so we really want you here, but the head office people are giving us a hard time because you're not in university and you're not getting college credit. So, but we're not going to leave you like high and dry. We're going to set you up with somebody like, you know, we'll find you a designer to work with. So um, I hadn't heard of this uh, woman before. Uh, her name was Tracy Reese. Uh, I'm not sure if she still designs or not, but um, so yeah, they set me up with a designer and which was pretty cool because I get to like, um, it was probably better than it would have been at Bloomingdale's in the sense that I was actually working in the studio, like in their kind of like press office plus they're um like uh, seeing how things were made and the design process and all of that um you know and then I would have to get like clothes ready for like when the guy the stylist came to pull for Vogue and things like that so it was like those were kind of like cool exciting things for me because I was like oh my god this guy is like, coming here from Vogue I remember the guy um told me that I spoke really good English um <laughs> <laughs> from uh for being from Canada which I thought was <laughs> interesting <laughs> and also if I ate a lot of fish because I was from uh, Nova Scotia <laughs> and it was like completely innocent and like him not trying to be like what we'd consider now is shady maybe but I was just kind of like wow do they really think that I'm from another planet um so that was kind of funny yeah but so was that your first time seeing like a design studio oh yeah definitely, definitely. yeah and did you like everything that you saw yeah, I mean, I spent a lot more time with the girls in the kind of like press office where all the samples and stuff were um, than I did on the actual like other side. But yeah, I had a great time. I enjoyed the company. I liked the camaraderie of like the office and like the getting clothes ready. I was there um, before when they had like the buyers coming in to show the collection. Um, so it was just interesting to see that side too, right? Because I only ever thought about like the sewing and the this and that. But I guess like as creative director or as a, you know, kind of head designer in the end your goal is really to oversee uh a lot of the stuff rather than like the nitty-gritty of like sewing and pattern making and 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 mm -hmm. whatever so um it was interesting to see like that th those things happen because i didn't really know about that side of the of the business yeah and have you tried your hand at sewing something by that point um i think that i had to sew some stuff for my portfolio to go to the summer program but now that I'm saying that out loud I'm thinking that was maybe more for the for the actual like application to Parsons but um I don't really think I did much sewing probably some like poor sewing <laughs> I don't know I didn't ever take any sewing courses or anything my mom kind of dabbled in a bit of sewing like every other mom I think in the 90s when you know they would you know make their little patterns and whatever but um but no, I didn't really have, I didn't have any training at all in sewing. Um, so yeah. at that point, I probably like hacked up some like ready existing outfits and kind of like, you know, did my little thing on them to try to make them like look cooler or something like that. But nothing like as far as pattern making or, or sewing or anything, no. So when you got back to Nova Scotia after that summer, what was your plan then? Then I was like, hit the ground running. I was like, okay, this is my plan. I'm moving to New York. <laughs> this is it. I'm going to Parsons. Like, this is amazing. 
I remember going back to school that like first day after my summer in New York and I went to Century 21 while I was in New York and I found this Roberto Cavalli blazer um, that was like, it was like a hundred dollars or something like that. Like it was super discounted. And um, I was, just, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Cause I was like, oh my God, this is like my first designer piece. <laughs> it's so cool. I got at this outlet and I remember going back to school my first day with these, like, I remember these beige boots that I had, a pair of jeans, probably boot cut, uh, a white button down shirt, like tucked in and a blazer. I think it was like very kind of like Dolce Gabbana at the time. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was so cool. I was like, I just spent you know, this summer in New York and I'm coming back like wearing a blazer to my like final year of high school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> that's embarrassing to look back on, but I wish I had kept the blazer actually. You say you wanted to go back to New York right after that experience, but you didn't end up going though. No. So at the time, um, the exchange rate was horrible. It was like 50 cents. Uh, you got like 50 cents us for a dollar Canadian basically. Um, and Parsons, I think at the time was something like $38,000 a year. And so that was like, okay, well, my parents did everything. We'll like figure it out. We'll try to whatever. Um, and I went to, uh, down to accepted students day for the orientation, all that stuff. I was accepted to the school. Um, cause I came back and immediately worked on my portfolio and, and you know, sent it all in. And Parsons actually was not like Parsons was my like goal school. And I applied to like a couple others, like for like safe schools. I actually didn't get into the two safe schools. So I was like, okay, I feel lucky that like that actually um, that worked out because I was not planning on getting accepted. I just thought it would be too difficult. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I, I, we just like tried everything. I, it was going to just like cost so much money that wasn't even including like housing or whatever. Um, and so in the end I decided, okay, this is not really feasible to spend, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever on school. Yeah. And so we called a, um, I, I called a school that's in Nova Scotia. It's in Halifax, um, called Nova Scotia college of art and design. And I knew they were reputable because I think more for like fine art and stuff like that, but they, they had an exchange program with Parsons. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, I'll reach out to them and I'll see, like, I don't know, like I was of course devastated because I like really wanted to go there, uh, to go to Parsons. And, um, I call them and they say, okay, well, we don't really need to see anything. If you're accepted to Parsons, like you can come here basically. Um, and I started classes like a week after they began. So, um, I ended up moving down to Halifax, like within a week, um, which is like two hours from my, my parents' house and um found an apartment we just like literally drove around looking for for rent signs you know like trying to find something um started school there it was a foundation year um it was enjoyable but I wasn't really happy you know like not you know I was kind of like emo (laughs) at the time because I was like you know everything was like set on New York and now I'm here and it's like you know I couldn't really make the the most of it um no not at all so I only did a semester there and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Montreal. I'm going to go to this fashion school in Montreal. Like, I'll, I'll go there. And so me and my best friend at the time, who, this is just like a side note and a kind of funny story. He was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race UK um, okay. like two seasons ago. <laughs> so it was just a funny, weird connection there. Um, anyway, we uh, moved to Montreal together. Uh, and then I started at LaSalle College uh, in Montreal but the very first day of school, I remember the teachers, I was still kind of sour about, you know, not being in New York. Montreal was great. It was fun. Um, but I remember them being like, you know, after this program, you could perhaps have a job at Le Chateau or Susie Shear. 
and this is coming from, you know, Parsons for Accepted Students Day being like, you can have a job with Gucci or, you know, and so I just felt like, I don't know that this is the right fit for me. I'll, I'll try and we'll see and, you know, uh, see what happens or whatever. So let's say I did a bit of school. I think I did like one year at LaSalle. And again, I was just like, this is just not it. It's not like, it's not the same experience. It's not the same people. Like I was probably trying to, you know, compare it too much, but um, it was just a hard pill to swallow because it was like, I was accepted to like one of the best schools in the world and I can't go. So now I'm just trying to figure out like something at least that makes me feel like it's as good. And it was nothing against the program. I actually learned so much, uh, so much with illustration. Um, they were very, very technical with pattern making and stuff. So I learned a lot because I remember when I moved to Italy, I had a lot more knowledge of pattern making than most of the other students right off the bat. Uh, and so that year there was uh, fruitful for me, but um, it was just the overall, like I just felt like I needed a better connection to the fashion world somehow, because it seemed at that time, it was like, it depended on where you went to school it was kind of like where you could get a job and, and whatever. So yeah, after that, I, you know, finished for a year and then I just kind of like floated around trying to figure out my life, <laughs> what was going to happen, you know, like, what was me? Um, and then I, um, my my, so my cousin lived in Switzerland at the time. Um, she was teaching there and my mom and, uh, my aunt and my two cousins, we were going to go over, they were going to go over and visit her. And my mom, I think kind of felt guilty that like my other cousin was bringing her daughter and she wasn't bringing me. <laughs> so she was like, you know what, for your 21st birthday, you can come with us. And so I was like, oh, that's amazing. Cause I had kind of seen, um, I kind of seen the, uh, the school there, uh, beforehand. And I was planning to move from Montreal to, um, to, to Toronto because I was like, well, maybe I'll go to George Brown. Like I was like, just going like from school to school, trying to figure my life out. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I'll move to Toronto. And that's when, sorry, the story is a little bit all over the place, but I, I keep remembering cause I had gone so many places. Um, I had uh, originally been moving to Toronto to, to go to fashion school there from Montreal. And then, um, that's when my mom told me, okay, we can go, you can come with us to Europe. Um, and I had kind of been, you know, in the know about the school in Milan, but I had never been to Europe. So I was like, I'm not going to apply somewhere that I like literally have no idea. It felt like such a foreign territory for me to like go on the other side of the world by myself. You know, like it wasn't like I had traveled before, but not like that far, uh, especially not alone. And my family knew that I love fashion. So one of the parts of the trip, we were going to go to Milan and, you know, see, you know, the city and whatever. Um, so we went to Marangoni, which um, is where I set up an interview to like go see the school and, and all of that. Um, we did a tour of the school. I absolutely fell in love with Europe. I was like, New York who? Uh, <laughs> just like, it was just such a different thing. I was like, this is it. This is my home. I feel like, you know, <laughs> this is uh, something just, you know, fit right with me in, in, the, in the culture and the whatever. It just like made sense. And, um, so I said, okay, I am going to come back to Toronto. Um, I'm going to apply to the school and we'll see what happens. So we came back in October. I applied to the school and I moved in August. So it all happened very fast. So I like literally got an apartment and then I like lived there for a few months. And then I was like, I was, uh, taking over a friend's, uh, room with, a, a childhood friend he had. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, this was a short lived stint in Toronto, but I'm moving to Italy. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, that's how that all happened. And then I, um, I, I moved there and I was just like in awe, 
like it was uh, the best choice I think I ever made. Uh, I met some of the most important people in my life. And I had some of the most um, incredible experiences in my life. And it definitely shaped who I became like as an adult. It shaped um, my ability to cook <laughs> for one, because I <laughs> oh, couldn't cook. Oh, Italian food's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about, you know, I was with international people. So you're learning about other people's cultures and mm -hmm. the, the, it was just such a different thing. And I just felt like this was, this was the fit that I had been longing for that I needed to have. I kind of am a, a, a creature that needs to be in an environment that I feel like is conducive to me being like, a better version of myself, I guess, yeah. um, in some ways, or like that helps me get to the place that I want to be. So yeah, it was really helpful for me to be there and see all these people. And just like, I don't know, like it was, it was little things that like, you know, you go there and like, you know, your friend at school, she's like 20 years old and has like a Gucci bag. And it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's so crazy. You know, like, yeah. that's not something, you know, that was the norm in Nova Scotia. So I was like, I'm seeing these like real things in real life. And and just a different appreciation for um, quality of things because there could be people that, you know, were not, you know, multimillionaires that had these expensive pieces, but they had a different appreciation for things. So it was like they would rather have one quality bag than, you know, 20 uh, cheap bags or something like that. So it was kind of, that was interesting to see like the different approach to like luxury goods from European people compared to where I was coming from. So yeah, it was definitely a very interesting, eye-opening experience. Yeah. So you said your classmates came from all over the world. Were they all as serious as you when it came to pursuing a career in fashion design? Yeah, everyone was very, um, very excited about it, very serious. A lot of them didn't have, because I had started when I was 21, right? So mm -hmm. um, they, some of them had kind of like came fresh out of high school. It was their first time away from home. It was their first time, you know, doing this or that. So that was kind of interesting because I felt like a little bit like, you know, the grandpa of the class <laughs> at 21. Now I'm looking back, I'm like, you're crazy. Um, but it like, yeah, I had some experience already. So I was like, okay, I at least knew the basics of pattern making or like the basics of sewing at that point or drawing or whatever. Some of them were like already like incredible drawers or um, illustrators uh, mm -hmm. anyway. But, um, but yeah, I felt like I had a little bit more experience going into it which I think was good because then I could go off of that and like kind of perfect it in a better way, like learning, uh, you know, maybe I learned like the basics of it, but now I'm being taught by a teacher who like is actively working at like a fashion, uh, like a major fashion company um, as a pattern maker. So we're learning, you know, from, you know, the best. So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. And did some of your teachers, were, were they um, also working in the fashion industry? I, f I can't remember at Marangoni where they worked, but all, pretty much all the teachers like were actively working. This was just like a side hustle for them to like teach. Um, but our pattern making teacher, the one that I had for the longest, she was, uh, she worked at Dolce & Gabbana. Um, and so like the blocks and uh, kind of sample things we were basing things off were like coming from Dolce & Gabbana. So um, it was like certain little fit issues or certain little, maybe something I learned in North America about like the fit of something would be totally different in Europe because it was like, you know, they like their clothes fitted differently. There's like a different attitude to clothing. It's like more precise. Let's say it's more fine tuned to your body, things like that. So I learned a lot, uh, 
about that stuff, about little details, like just curving a dart instead of having a straight line, like which we learned in school in Canada, like, you know, little things like that, that really, I think, change the fit of something and make something feel totally different on your body. Yeah, because Europeans, they definitely um, are more stylish, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Like a more refined taste of clothing, Yeah, more appreciation for things. And it's not even just clothing. Like, I Mm. find with food and with wine, like, I find in in North America, you have to maybe have a bit of a privileged background in some sense to, like, maybe understand, like, fine dining or, you know, uh, wine tasting or things like that. But the average person in Europe can know just as much, you know, about that stuff because they appreciate quality product. It's not, it's not necessarily about, Oh, that's just a thing for rich people, or that's just a thing for fancy people. Like those things should be accessible to everybody. Um, And I don't think that just because somebody doesn't have the budget for it doesn't mean that you can't be interested or learn, you know, like fine cuisine or, or know about wine or things like that. seems like it's more reserved here for, uh, a certain class of people mm-hmm. or something. That's just the way I feel growing up that it's kind of like, that's a rich person thing. Yeah. This is a normal person thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Milan is also the, um, the headquarter of uh, brands like uh, Prada, Valentino, Versace. Did you get an opportunity to visit those headquarters and maybe meet some of the I designers there? I didn't uh, visit any of the headquarters. I went to, so my very first year at Marangoni, I had a girl called Bianca from Norway in my class and we hit it off right away and we became um, fast friends. And I had started school in, uh, in August because um, we had to take an Italian course for the month of August and then school started in September. So we kind of like got to know each other then um, before classes had started. And her mom owned a boutique in Oslo. Um, And so her mom was coming for fashion week in September and offered, like said, okay, you're coming, like you can, uh, you can bring a friend. So she asked me if I wanted to come with her. And we went to the Dolce & Gabbana show. At the time, they were like less problematic. (laughs) So um, it was like exciting, because it was like the first show I had been to. And then the school would they would have X amount of tickets sometimes for students. Um, and so they would send out emails being like, you know, first come, first serve. Like, we have these tickets. Like, let us know if you want to go. So I went to an Armani show. Um, but it was more like just to the shows. And then, of course, like the Fashion Week parties we would try to get into or, or go to, you know, showing up outside and and uh, trying to know somebody and, you know, the whole nightlife thing. So, but I hadn't really met anybody um, fashion designer-wise until... I did an internship. Well, it wasn't an internship. It was an actual job because they needed an illustrator to sketch for the creative director. Um, And that was at Ports 1961. And to be quite honest, I had never really even heard of the brand before. Um, But I looked and I was like, oh, it's like a pretty impressive brand. Like they have, you know, shows at Milan Fashion Week and, you know, whatever. And I became a fan of the brand and I, I got there and I didn't realize, but it was owned by a Canadian and so his wife, I don't think she was Canadian, but the, I want to say he was Canadian or maybe it was vice versa. I'm not sure, but, um, she was the creative director at the time. And so I basically, they were looking for somebody. I came in and I had an interview with her and, and then I would sit in her office with this other illustrator and they would have like sketches and she wanted to see them in like different colors. So basically we would just like redraw the same sketch and like different colors or patterns based on the, you know, kind of fabrics and whatever they were using 
Um, but it was quite interesting because, you know, they would have the pattern makers be coming into her office and she would be doing like little fitting things. And so you're kind of seeing different, um, different stuff happening throughout the day and how it worked. And that was a kind of fun experience, but that was after I had graduated. So um, it wasn't uh, during school. I mean, to be quite honest, we had no time to do anything during school. It was like a lot of all-nighters and uh, <laughs> a lot of, yeah, late nights. Do you still remember some of the designs that came out of um, your time studying there? Oh, yeah, I, I saved pretty much all of my sketches. Tell me about like what the styles were like back then, like your style. <laughs> It feels kind of the same, but I think now it's more refined because when I first started out, it was like, I feel like it was like the time of like Lady Gaga and stuff like that, like at the height of this kind of like spikes everywhere and, you know, whatever, those kind of things, like very architectural. So there was a bit of that because it was kind of like what was in at the moment. Um, but there was always the sense of like, I wasn't do, I didn't really want to do like all the like silver studs and things on, on a garment, but I wanted to have like the shape. So architectural, but very like simple. So like, there's always been that like refinement of like, you know, there's a modern take on something very elaborate. And I think that's always pretty much been along the way what I've done. Same with the colors. Like I'm very into more earthy tones, like creams, beiges, uh, taupes, uh, these kind of like elegant, in my opinion, colors. Um, and so those have always been kind of at play in my work. And I think I was a bit more fancy uh, in school because we didn't really have to make it. <laughs> and so it was more like illustrations. So you could go over the top. I think I was more thinking like, um, I like Elisa, but without all of the beads kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I like this kind of like over the top, like these uh, red carpet dresses. Like that was kind of the, I was, wasn't really thinking about daily clothes. I was thinking more about like <laughs> the fantasy of everything. Um, you know, I think that had something to do with obviously the architecture and stuff that I was seeing, like the grand places, you know, like yeah. that you're the buildings and things like that. So it was just like inspiring, um, the opulence, uh, that was there. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course that refined like over the years at school and stuff. And, uh, and then definitely kind of started to develop into kind of a different route where I was always like I feel like there's always like the brand for like the downtown cool girl and there's always the uptown like frou-frou frilly girl but what about somebody who's a bit of both of those things what about you want like this nostalgia and this like opulence but you're also a minimalist at heart a little bit too so it's like how do you combine those two like contrasting things in a way mm -hmm. that's just like really really beautiful so that's always been like a a kind of like cornerstone of what I wanted to do was just combining these two like two worlds and the more that I thought about it and the more that I studied it and all that I it kind of thinks that he, I think it even goes back to like you know I come from a very simple place I come from a very you know you know there's farming there's uh you know the beach there's it's very relaxed it's very um simple and I went and kind of developed in this place that is so extravagant and so like over the top. And so I feel like it's a melding of those two worlds in a way where there's like the practicality and the simplicity and the like earthiness and rawness of, you know, Nova Scotia. And then there's mm -hmm. like this refinement and the sophistication and the elegance of Europe that I just feel like it always comes back to those two things because I can't get that maximalist out of myself, but I also... <laughs> always have to simplify it. So it's like, I, I, those things are, are fighting. And that kind of plays into my personality too, because I like experiencing, you know, fancy things or whatever, of course, I like nice things, but 
at the end of the day, I'm still a kid from Nova Scotia. I'm still, I still like to get my hands dirty. I still like to, you know, be outside. I'm not like precious about things. You know what I mean? But I still appreciate all that stuff. I feel like, I just feel like one shouldn't be sacrificed for the other. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting combination. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. (laughs) You also traveled a lot when you were in Europe and did those trips also influence your aesthetics? Yeah, I think it did. Also, um, you know, I mainly traveled through Italy. Like I had been to, I've been to a lot of places in Italy. Traveled a lot there. I traveled in France, Switzerland, uh, Germany. But I think what maybe um, was more beneficial for me was a lot of the friends that I had, um, because we were in the international program, they were from Scandinavia. And so that was interesting to me as well, because I was seeing, you know, their kind of sense of style, um, both in their homes and in their personal like clothing or whatever. And so that was kind of interesting because I was seeing that kind of like cool Scandinavian girl type thing before it was necessarily a thing. I think that shaped a bit more of like the idea of like what you could put with what, like, you know, they have a certain way about them. Same with the French, like about putting certain things together that maybe we wouldn't hear or whatever. And so that kind of was kind of influential on me, I would say, like my um, my friends from from Scandinavia, because it was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's an interesting way to decorate. That's an interesting way to, um, you know, it's so different. It was just different from what I knew in Nova Scotia or, or in Canada in general. Um, and yeah, there was a, a appreciated simplicity, let's say, in a lot of their their stuff, which um, maybe didn't seem cool when I came to Italy but then I saw how you can be cool and simple like it didn't have to be over the top like sometimes less is more yeah that was influential for sure yeah so out of the French style the Italian style and the Scandinavian style which one do you resonate with the most well I think I have to say the Italian style because for me Italian style reminds me a lot and I'm not talking necessarily about everyone's net like personal style now because like you know the world is much more open you see a lot more I'm thinking about when I'm examining people on the street, I'm thinking like the 80 year old women, the, you know, you know, they, the ones that like are still in the time frame that like, you know, still dressing the same way that they would have, you know, back in the day. So when you see these Italian women and they're like perfectly quaffed and like dressed like from head to toe, just doing errands, you know, this appreciation of like, this is not a special, you know, garment. Like I'm wearing this to do my everyday stuff. Like I don't need to be in like sweatpants to go to the grocery store or whatever, like you do you if you want to wear them. But it's like, there's something beautiful about that. Like seeing somebody just like you're dressing for yourself, like not for an occasion or anything, you know? And so that part of it, and I think like the Italian colors are a bit more my thing. And of course there's like, you know, the Versace Italian and there's like (laughs) the more like simple, but I'm thinking like Milanese older people that you're seeing walking in the streets that like have lived Mm -hmm. there forever. And that to me um, was just something, I don't know, like the only word I can think of is fabulous, which is not a word I love, like, love to use, but it's like, they're fabulous. Like I remember in Venice, I was there one day and this woman, she had like the, you know, the kind of helmet hair, um, like bleached blonde and she had a full like Fendi print outfit. And this was before Fendi was like doing all the like prints all over, like full Fendi print outfit from head to toe, shoes, pants, jacket, shirt, <laughs> and then she had this like alligator purse and she was like literally out just going to the grocery store 
And I was just like, this to me is like, it's so ridiculous that it's awesome. Cause it's just like, like why have these things collecting dust in your closet? Like to wait to like wear them somewhere or something special. Like, I don't know. It was just, it's beautiful to me. I just think it's like, yeah, just dress whenever you want, however you want. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this way of confidence, like to be kind of fancy for doing nothing. Like I just, and I like that juxtaposition as well, right? Like doing simple things, but kind of an extraordinary clothes. It's kind of mm-hmm. a, a beautiful thing. But I'd imagine it takes quite a lot of effort to put together such a look like every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that too. But I feel like, um, those are the type of women, like my thinking back to my grandmother or whatever, like, you know, they get their hair done like once or twice a week. <laughs> they get that, like they sleep like, okay, perfectly on their back. <laughs> their hair's not oh moving. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of thing. Yeah, it's obviously not that feasible necessarily anymore, but there are ways to do that, I think, um, where you have to put less uh, less effort into it, but still um, look great. I think that a lot of times now we're kind of just like thinking strictly comfort and not really thinking like fashion when it comes to stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think it's just kind of an interesting place to play there with not sacrificing one for the other because there you can make a lot of beautiful things comfortable and you can make a lot of comfortable things beautiful so that's a big task like for me moving forward that I want to achieve because I just think like it's about fabrics it's about cuts it's about you know just the ease of stuff to make somebody want to put on that dress the same way they would want to put on like the sweatsuit you know what I mean like yeah that's the thing for me it's like I want to look nice but sometimes it takes so much time (laughs) And yeah. sometimes you don't have that time, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm a big fan too of like tonal dressing, like I always have been. And that's something I think back in those like old Hollywood movies where you see people with like very like total look, like the shoes match the bag, match the, you know, jacket and whatever. And I think that's kind of a thing. That's almost like a uniform dressing type idea because there's less thought that has to go into that outfit because it is an outfit. So I think there's something interesting about... um if you make a skirt, let's say, in like this fabric that there is, let's say a top available in the same fabric or whatever, like you can coordinate things together, but you can also mix and match. So that's something that I'm kind of thinking about as well, that I want it to be really like, almost like modular, like you can, you know, wear this skirt with this top, but then you can wear the whole color or you can wear it, you know, like all over the place. So, um, and th- this has got me thinking a lot. It's made the design process a lot harder because you're thinking like a lot about this, like, okay, well, how easy is this to add, you know, this jacket to or that thing? Or you don't want somebody to have to go and be like, oh, I love this top, but I don't want to have to be searching everywhere to find a, like a specific pair of pants that's actually going to match this fabric or this thing. You know, make it easy for people. Make it like this is how it could look or this is how it could look separated with something else in your own closet or whatever. Um so I think that kind of approach to dressing I've always liked is just, I, I like matchy-matchy. I just always have, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it, yeah. So um, after you graduated from your program in Milan, uh, you went ahead and just created your own fashion house. What yeah, so, was the, you know, thinking behind that decision, that huge decision? Um, well, I was, so I kind of, in between that, I was doing an internship, um, but it was not at all in fashion. It was with a video game company mm. um, working in the costume department. 
Um, so it was a really cool experience actually. And they sent me to Paris twice, which was awesome because it's like, I just basically, my job in Paris was to go into like fancy shops and look for inspiration. So, I mean, (laughs) you can't beat that. Um, so yeah, I, I was working for Ubisoft, which, um, they make the game just dance. And so I was working. Yeah. And so those are real people that they paint white. Oh, um, like with like white pigment paint, uh, paint them white and they, and costume designers. So like I was basically the liaison between the Paris office where the main costume designers were um, and the Milan office where they had nobody in the costume department. So I would um, deal with the seamstresses um, making changes and whatever and sending back and forth the, you know, imagery and whatever to the people in Paris. And so we they created all the costumes for just dance out of like whatever materials they needed but they just had to be in primary colors so like one of the robot ones for instance was made from cardboard um and then it had to be painted like primary colors because then in post they could change it into something like digital almost like green screen it kind of um and so yeah i was like on set while there were like real people like completely painted white wow i didn't know that yeah it was actually quite interesting so i was like okay I thought I'd be doing something like cooler, like maybe designing like costumes for like a video game, like ju- like Assassin's Creed or something like period or yeah. something. I don't know. And then they're like, oh, so they're actually real people that are going to wear these things that you have to make like. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty cool. But um, I was like the only person. Everyone else was like a gamer, like um, like into programming or I don't even know what they did really and so it was just like this sea of computers and like me doing like fashion (laughs) in the middle of it and I was just like I need friends like nobody's (laughs) everybody's talking about stuff I don't understand um so yeah it was fun it was a cool experience but then I I decided I would kind of be like okay well maybe I'll just like start my own thing I'm like here in Milan so like why not you know try to get noticed or whatever and so that that happened, and then I I, I was reached out to by um, the collections. So they're like a designer management company in uh, Toronto at the time, and they reached out to me and were like, "Hey, we'd like to set up like a FaceTime or whatever." Oh, I think it was Skype at the time. Uh, <laughs> set up a Skype call and talk to you about some stuff or whatever. And so we talked, and they were like, "So we have these spots for emerging designers at World Mastercard Fashion Week or." I think it was, or maybe it was, I don't remember what it was called then. I think they changed like from LG to like World MasterCard to like whatever. But um, yeah, would you be interested in like coming and showing a collection? And I was like, well, I mean, YOLO, <laughs> like why not? Uh, like, I don't know. Um, I didn't have a collection to show. So I was like, okay, but this is going to be tight. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then my partner at the time um was like, well, I could be interested in having like an experience in Canada. And then that turned into, well, why don't we move to Toronto uh, together? Uh, And so we were just like, okay, well, like, let's just go and see what happens. And so I think it came like in the beginning of March 2012 or 2013. And um, my, the show was like March 18th or something like that. And it was like the first time I had done anything like this, like this casting at the Hoxton we did like all these models like I was picking people for the show I was like do I did like a collab with Kobo at the time and so it was like this really like oh my god like hit the ground running uh this is real like this is so cool um and so yeah and then I showed my first first show there uh I remember there was like the runway room or there was the presentation room and because I only had like I think 12 looks or 10 looks or something like that 
we did the presentation room and it was like very exciting and yeah after that I was like okay this is amazing I'm like loving doing this and I continued on um for a few seasons after that um and then things kind of started shifting for me and I was kind of like is this really what I want to be doing not so much design wise but I was like not really in love with it anymore because I felt um like it was unachievable for me to get to the level I wanted to get to by myself and it seemed like at that time um it was only valid uh what you were doing if you were doing like a full collection um you know you had you know a show or something like I feel like even back then like Instagram wasn't even really that as big as it is now or you know whatever so it just seemed more limiting and I was just like starting to get like okay I don't know what I what I want to do because unless I can have somebody come in here and give me like a million dollars to like start a company um you know what's going to happen and I was doing like made to measure which was fine but it was like pretty grueling and like time consuming um and yeah so I, I just kind of took some time and I was like okay I'm gonna try to figure out what I want to do. I want to see if, you know, what way I can approach this that makes sense for me. Why? Like, I need to think about myself first. I need to think about what's actually feasible. Like, how can I actually produce a product and give it to people? Because that was the thing. I was having so much interest in like, where can we buy it? Where can we buy it? Where can we buy it? But I had no answer because unless I make it, you mm-hmm. can't buy it because I couldn't afford to get like a seamstress. I couldn't afford to, you know, have like full-time staff or a studio or whatever. I was working out of my apartment. Um, and it was just very uh, stressful because it was like, okay, I learned in school how to make sample size, <laughs> for instance. Now, if I need to give a size range, uh, I don't know how to grade the patterns. That means I need to hire somebody. So that's more money. You know what I mean? So it was just like, I couldn't do one thing without the other, but then I couldn't do the other without the one thing. So it's kind of like, there was always something holding me back. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of decided it was going to take some time. And then, um, you know, I think a couple of years went by and now another couple of years have gone by, it seems like because of COVID and everything going on. And then I was like, well, should I be doing this? Like, is this the right thing? Like what's going on? Um, so there was a lot of confusion. Let's put it that way. There was a lot of how can I make this work for myself? And, you know, and that happens. And I was just like, you know, I'm money doesn't grow on trees. I need to, you know, figure out uh, how I can actually achieve this in a way that makes sense for me. And I'm finding now more and more, the more brands I'm following are actually ones that are not the big names on, on Instagram and stuff. Like there's so many talented people out there and so many different places in the world. And I feel like I really had um, this instilled into me that you have to be New York, London, Paris, Milan, you know, those, the fashion capitals, you have to be there, blah, blah, blah. But now the world is so digital that that's completely changed. I think over this pandemic, it only solidified, um, my approach to what I want to do and made me feel better about it. So it was kind of like, I can be wherever makes me happy. I don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, that I'm in a certain city or whatever, as long as I'm able to deliver a great product and ship it to whoever that wants it, then it doesn't really matter where I am. Like, what does it matter if I'm in New York or if I'm in Paris or wherever? So um, I had to kind of come to terms with that and realize, okay, that's the thing. I was losing my love affair with the city life in general. (laughs) Um, I just felt like it was kind of 
you know, everything was kind of falling apart. Like uh, fashion week was not happening anymore in Toronto, you know, so then we're all kind of like left out being like, okay, well, what do we do now? Especially somebody like me who was like creating stuff and like basically only showing at fashion week was my main press thing. Cause I didn't have like a budget to like hire a PR team on retainer or something, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, it was just a very confusing time. And I, but I still love what I do and I still have, in my opinion, great ideas that I want to show people. So it's like, yeah, I, I just took a lot of time. And, and now I think I've come to the realization that I need to forget about all these like rules that were instilled in us in school and the way that things should be and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to create beautiful clothes for real people that I can release it whenever I want. I don't think I need to have you know, a spring, summer and a fall winter collection. I'm not selling to a department store where mm -hmm. I need X amount of time to send to a factory to have things made. I want to make things made to order. So I have less waste. Um, you know, I'm only producing what people are ordering. You know, maybe I'll divide my collection up. Uh, I'll design a full collection where it's like, you know, spring and summer clothes and fall and winter clothes and kind of seasonless clothes mm -hmm. have X amount of looks designed or in my, you know, uh, on my desk, like ready to go. And then I'll take times where it's like, okay, the weather's warming up. I'm going to release these pieces right now because it makes people feel like summery and people want to buy this now because it's, you know, you want to buy that cute summer dress when it's actually summer and, and, and it's yeah. warm. And then I can kind of deal better with my customer because if I'm, if I'm releasing all like 20 looks or 30 looks at a time, the, all the work's already been spent on like creating those, all the money's been spent on the fabric for the, the samples and everything. If I'm releasing like five, six looks at a time, like more times per year, then I feel like I'll be able to tell from the customer what they like, what colors were more popular, what cut was more popular. If a dress or a skirt is loved by somebody, then I can, when the colder temperatures come around, I can make this in like a more fitting fabric for, you know, winter. Um, so it's like, I'm really, I really want to have that kind of communication with my customer and like be able to provide what, what they want, almost like they're being part of the process of like, what's going to be released. I'm not sure the logistics of that, obviously, because it's going to be a kind of like, I'm going to start and then, you know, uh, develop the model as I go along. But I just feel like a little bit more transparency is good. Um, because for me as a, as a customer and a shopper myself, like, I like seeing uh, certain brands that show kind of behind the scenes stuff or like how things are made or like fittings or, you know, all that stuff. Like I, I don't need to pretend like it's this like fancy thing that happens like magically. I like to know like that it's just quality stuff that you're getting made by a person or people. I think it could be kind of cool if they're like, if the brand's like, this is one of the top selling sweaters of the last drop, like which color should we make it in next? And then it's like a poll of your customers to know like, you know, what makes sense? Why, why make stuff that people don't want? Why make just another shirt that you can buy anywhere? You know, like I think things mm -hmm. have to be special now um, with the environment and with everything going on. It, like there has to be something um, we have enough of the same, you know, it has to be, uh, there has to be something interesting, whether it's the textile, whether it's the, the color combination, whether it's something, but just, I don't know. I want to, I want to bring happiness to people and clothes and cause I get happy when I shop. <laughs> I don't know about you, but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. you know, you see something and you're just like, I need to have that. Like, um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I like, um, when I'm designing, it's just like something's cool. It has like, it, maybe it has a gimmick. Maybe it has a, you know, interesting way that it's closed. I don't know. Just something that's different. It's not just another skirt. 
Um, and so you know, that's, it's taken me a long time to figure that out. And it's taken me a long time to kind of make peace with it because I still sometimes struggle with like, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? But um, I'm sticking to my gut on this. And I think that like, if I make nice clothes that people like and people want to wear and that are comfortable and they're good quality, I don't think it's going to make or break me if I'm not showing a spring summer collection in September. <laughs> so you're really thinking like a fashion entrepreneur right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a whole process. So before you, you were reaching your customers through fashion week. Yes. Like I'm thinking Lady Gaga, all these celebrities you were dressing, they would just see your clothes and they're like, I want to, I want, I want Matthew Gallagher to bring me that clothes. Well, so with Lady Gaga, they actually found me on Instagram. Um, oh. her stylist, which I believe was, uh, her stylist was Brandon Maxwell before he was like the Brandon Maxwell designer. He is mm -hmm. now. Um, so he reached out to me or his office, somebody like that. Um, and asked to send some things. And to be honest, I thought it was a scam. I was like, okay, I'm sending these, <laughs> I'm sending these dresses to like a New York or LA. I forget. Um, but they were willing to pay the shipping. And that's when I knew it was legit because like most, <laughs> Even like some of the like uh, TV people uh, in Toronto that I had dealt with, like I had to like pay for the courier myself and like all this stuff to like let them borrow clothes, which I always mm. found a little bit like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you're making how much per episode and, and I have to send you the clo these clothes that you're already borrowing for free. Um, but anyway, she, uh, I sent the stuff and I had no idea if she wore anything. The dresses just came back uh, in uh, the mail and then I was kept like checking like Instagram or wherever, like, okay, is something going to happen? Um, and then all of a sudden I saw, she didn't tag me on Instagram, which I was a bit like, come on, come on. Um, you know what it's like. We're all trying to get a crumb here. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she wore it to a recording studio and posted a picture on her Instagram. And then she um, wore it to LAX. And mm. uh, so I saw the paparazzi pictures and stuff like that which was pretty cool. And then with Alicia, um, I think she was invited to one of my shows uh, early on. Um, and uh, she, I guess, just borrowed some clothes for something or whatever. But then she and I like hit it off um, right away and kind of became fast friends. Um, they have a place like her and uh, her husband have a place in Prince Edward Island. So we had this kind of like east coast connection and anyway we just really got along and so i you know she i was like anything you want you can you know borrow um and then with annie murphy um this was before schitt's creek was um what it is now yeah like huge and so she came over to my apartment one day it was set up through her makeup artist um who i knew th from working through fashion week uh lucky bromhead and um and she's always been really sweet. She's one of the first people I met in Toronto. And she had just like suggested like to introduce me to Annie because she might need some stuff, you know, probably in the beginning, she didn't really know who to go to for clothes or whatever. Um, so she borrowed something, uh, came over and tried some stuff on and, and yeah. And so that was kind of exciting. It was exciting to see the way the show kind of blew up uh, yeah. after that and like how huge it's been because that doesn't really happen that often for Canadian TV. So it yeah. was, uh, it was quite cool. I see. So before when you were still doing made to measure, was it easy getting clients? Um, it was more of the same people um, mm -hmm. over and over again. I think people were very like uh, alarmed by made to measure because they're thinking like, 
is that like couture? Is that like couture prices? When in reality, it was just like easier for me because I needed to have the actual person's body <laughs> to, you know, if it wasn't sample size, I needed to have, you know, to know what I was uh, working on as far as a, yeah. a body is concerned. And um, so the prices didn't really change any. It was just like a different process because people would come over for fittings and choose fabrics and, and things like that, which was definitely mm -hmm. way more time consuming for me because uh, to have to go through like yeah. you know people coming over and spending that time and doing the fittings and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a few um, people in, uh, in Toronto that were really supportive of that. Um, and that would buy stuff when I would come up with collections. They would like see it either at the show mm -hmm. or the pictures after the show and then just like place an order um, for some stuff. And then once I had their like measurements already, then it was kind of like a bit easier yep. because I could. Um, and then maybe I'd do like a final fitting mm -hmm. uh, and then send it along. But yeah, it was just it was becoming like so much time was being mm -hmm. spent on like the actual creation of the things that it just didn't seem that feasible anymore because it was like, okay. If I can do like a short period of like pre-sales for a certain thing and then like, okay, these are like now sold out because I need to put a limit somewhere where I can't make, you know, tons of things by myself, like super fast, like a factory. So um, it'll be like, if I set a certain kind of stock, let's say for the pre-orders, then it's something that I can easier manage until the time comes that I, you know, have people working with me that can kind of help with the volume of orders and things like that. Um, and also less pieces. Like if you have like 20 looks, it's, that's a lot of prep for even like the first photo shoot or whatever, because 20 looks could be like three pieces in each look. And that's like a lot of items of clothing. It's a lot of different fabrics. It's a lot of whatever. It's more containable and controllable with, you know, if you have like six pieces or six looks, um, and then you can kind of like do similar fabrics or same, like different colorways and things like that. Um, which I think will be uh, just more doable for me, really. So tell me about your new collection, the one that's coming out in April, right? Yeah, my plan is uh, the spring. So I have April as my uh, soft deadline. Um, but um, definitely I want to do it for spring because the clothes are going to be for summer. Right now I'm designing stuff and developing the patterns and all of that stuff, um, figuring out the fabrics and everything. And this goes back to what I was saying before, where I'm really like leaning into kind of like where I come from and like what shaped me. Um, because in the past, I was always, again, taught in school that you had to have a definitive theme for every collection, um, you know, which almost then became felt like you're like kind of making costumes because you were like coming up with this story and this theme that was happening. But when I really look at most brands, it's the inspiration is often like what the brand ethos is or what the, the brand's identity is itself, right? Like there can be certain things that inspire certain looks, but like a Gucci look is very clearly a Gucci look, no matter what the season is or what the theme is. Um, the same with Prada and whatever, you know what I mean? So yep. they have an aesthetic and that's the core thing and I think that's kind of something that's a little bit forgotten now where it's like you used to go to a designer because you went to the designer for their aesthetic like the Balenciagas or the Givenchy versus like Yves Saint Laurent back when they were all like at the top of the game and still living and so I think that's something kind of interesting because I mean as a designer you probably should have a uh, a unique perspective or a, a, an aesthetic that is your own um, and then I'm because I'm inspired by so many things that I don't like to limit certain things um, to being like, oh, so this collection is going to be inspired by like trees. And then 
like, I'm not going to do a good idea because it didn't make sense with the tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I'm just thinking like what, what I stand for as a designer, what my aesthetic is, what my message is um, that I want to put out there. And then I can be inspired by anything, but it's always going to have my touch on it, right? So it's going to have that consistency. I'm a bit inspired in this collection by being at home because I was home for such a long time uh, during the pandemic. So there's like a lot of things that I'm thinking about as far as like fishermen, uh, workwear, the natural colors, the natural beauty, that stuff. It's more of like a feeling to me. It's more of like a, of course, there are certain elements when it comes to like, you know, fishermen and things like that. There are specific pieces that I'm, you know, maybe drawn to. Maybe it's like the strap on like the waders or it's the, uh, you know, the shape of a collar on a fisherman's jacket or like whatever, like things like that are inspiring me, but I'm not letting that be the driving force. Like the aesthetic is still like what makes the brand. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> Can you talk more specifically about a favorite piece from your new collection? So right now I'm trying to think because I've sketched so much. I think it's more the, um, less than a favorite piece. It's more the, um, accessibility of the clothes that I'm trying to think of. So like, that's what I find really interesting and in what I'm doing right now is that I want, especially because it's going to be online, I want less issues with fit when it comes to a customer. So, um, and I know this can be, you know, it's difficult when you buy a pair of pants, you know, you don't know if one brand is going to be different from another or whatever. So I like the idea of things being adjustable or things being able to shape to your body in some way. So um, whether it is just like a different way to, you know, build the waistband so that it could be expandable or you can make it more cinched or less cinched, which then gives you a little bit more if you want to have a bit more low slung pants compared to a high waist pant. So I'm really trying to think of these details, which I think are, is what's going to make the collection special because there's a lot of details where, where the look might be simple, but the kind of approach to the design or the um, modifications you can make to the design are what give you more wear from that piece because you know you have more it's like kind of like more bang for your buck for lack of a better uh term because mm -hmm. you know you're able to you know either mix and match something or adjust the waist so you can have a different style like, you know sometimes you want like something more low-waisted depending on what the top is something you want sometimes you want something higher up so it's like playing around with like traditional techniques and then incorporating my own like ideas or or like newer techniques to make things more adjustable, I guess is the word, is going to be the exciting thing with the collection. Because I think that's important. Like, especially, I feel like everybody during the pandemic has kind of tried on some stuff from before the pandemic and they're like, uh oh. <laughs> um, and so I think our clothes should be able to move a little bit more with us. Like, give us a little wiggle room yeah. here, you know? And so that's been interesting because those things are traditionally on very like, I think casual or like sporty type clothing. So the fact that my eye is usually drawn to more like elegant stuff, it's been an interesting exercise in uh, applying that very casual, very like utilitarian approach to something that is more, more refined and more elegant. And that's kind of where I'm bringing in the comfort too. And these more chic pieces are becoming more comfortable wear because these elements that are traditionally found in more comfortable clothes are now being incorporated into this. Mm -hmm. So people can find this new collection on your website, which is 
houseofgallagher.com? Yes, so it's houseofgallagher.com. Um, and I will be setting up the online store and all of that. So when I come out with the official launch date um, for the summer clothing, so it'll be in the spring, um, I'll have that and then hopefully be able to make my Instagram shoppable. Um, so, you know, people can go to Instagram house at house of Gallagher and kind of see the pieces and see them on people and, um, kind of be a part of the process a bit too, because I'm going to definitely be, uh, documenting more than I had in the past. And I also want to kind of have a little bit more communication with the customer. So like I said before, I like, I like the idea of these polls, um, choosing, you know, what length would, you know, would you rather have? What cut do you prefer? What uh, button would you choose? Like making it feel like, you know, a more customized experience because, you know, people are spending their money, hard-earned money on clothes that are being handmade with care. And I think that um, it feels good to have a little bit of say in, in what you're spending your money on. Yeah. And I have to ask you, what is the price range of your clothes? So with the price range, I'm definitely, again, a very antiquated thing we've learned. And people told me so many times in Toronto, you have to spit, pick a specific price range and stick to it. Like it, you, if you're going to be like 500 to $2,000, you have to stay there. Da, da, da. But I always think why? Like, like, why does that matter? Like if I make a t-shirt and the fabric costs less, substantially less than silk, why can't I price that accordingly? Why do I have to price it up? just because I also make silk dresses, you know, so that for me, the price range will be more flexible, let's say it's going to be based on the, the quality of the fabric, the intricacy of the outfit, and all of that stuff. So I'm hoping to stay in a range of about 100 to 1000. Because I also want things to be attainable, right? Like, if you really want something, you can save up for $300, $200, you know, even $1,000, if you really want it, this thing you could save up for that for a special occasion whatever it's not for the average person to be able to save up two thousand dollars for a skirt you know what i mean so i just think like i just want to be clear with uh you know this is a cotton and this is why it's this price this is silk because it's a finer fabric it takes more time to make it's more difficult to work with the cuts are different you know those kind of things like i want it to be a more transparent thing i don't think I, I don't like the idea of having to charge $1,000 for a t-shirt just because of a name. That, to me, just seems taking advantage of a customer. So, so yeah, I definitely want to have uh, more things open to more people. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I would like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you're basically entering, like, a new chapter in your House of Gallagher. Um, where do you see your brand 10 years from now? I've always had this idea with the House of Gallagher thing because I've always had an appreciation for more than just fashion. Like I love interior design. I love, you know, art. I love all these things like objects for the house, whatever. And so I would like to have almost like a mix of like a concept store and my own brand because I like the idea. And this was before, like when brick and mortar was more like what I, you know, what my end goal was. I like the idea of this house of Gallagher being an actual house and it's a, an experience that you go in, there's like a cafe or something, there's, you know, you have, you know, the furniture that you see is for sale, the objects on the wall are for sale. It's like this kind of curation of things that all like, appeal to me and fit into like the aesthetic that I like and that work with the brand. And so that's been something that I, I really wanted to do, but I would love 
realistically, hopefully in 10 years would be to have accessories. I would love to do shoes and uh, handbags as well. I actually did design a handbag um, and I have the sample here. And then um, the person who's creating it is from the Ukraine. <laughs> And so right now things are not great there. So now I'm like, oh yes, yeah, that's kind of on hold at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, so I I would love to do some some accessories because I think it just kind of completes the look. Because every time I design something, I like will design a pair of shoes to go with it or like a purse or whatever. It would just be nice to see the whole thing come to mm -hmm. come to play. And I also will be releasing some men's looks as well with uh, this collection and some kind of genderless stuff. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for uh, taking us on your uh, journey and all the best with your upcoming collection. Oh, thank you so much. Matthew Gallagher is a fashion designer and the founder of the House of Gallagher. You can check out his website at houseofgallagher.com to shop his summer collection that's coming out soon. Also, if you like what you just heard, please do subscribe to my podcast and head over to cc-wang.com, that's S-I-S-S-I-W-A-N-G.com for more interviews like this one, plus read about the guests you just heard and see pictures from the interviews. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time. <laughs>